heard the phrase, fake it until you make it. Thank you, Nellie. And as you know, in certain situations, this actually works. There are other times when, to put it mildly, it's less advised. When I moved to Alaska about 11 years ago, and I moved to a predominantly Alaska native village in the middle of the interior along the Yukon River off the road system about 500 miles north of Anchorage, 180 miles west of Fairbanks. <laughs> and uh, I was moving to run the environmental program for a tribe and I just graduated from grad school. I never had a professional job. I was a strict vegetarian. Um, <laughs> I had never been to Alaska, let alone Galena, a village of 600 people. And I was from Daytona Beach, Florida. <laughs> I was raised Southern Baptist, though I've recovered. Um, and when I was in high school, my nicknames were White Bread and Brady Bunch. <laughs> this may have been one of those times when it was best not to fake it. I unfortunately was not very wise 10, 11 years ago. So when I got this job offer, I was super excited and I asked everyone I knew who had been to Alaska, what do I need? And they said, Carhartts. <laughs> so I went out and I bought myself a pair of duck dungaree Carhartts. They were still starch stiff. There was a crease from the fold. It was great, I was so proud of those pants. And I got on the plane and I arrived in Alaska in those Carhartts from uh, Olympia, Washington, where I had gone to the Evergreen State College. And I'd been preparing myself for my move to Alaska. I'd protested the World Trade Organization in Seattle, marched in the procession of the species for Earth Day, <laughs> tossed back a couple of organic beers with Dave Foreman as we discussed monkey retching and Earth First. Yeah. I got off that airplane, my backpack, my dog Natasha, my three cats. <laughs> I was excited, okay? I was riding an optimism high. So the most powerful lessons are often quite painful. And I remember my first week in Galena, they had this welcome potlatch. And it was wonderful. Everyone had turned out with these, uh, a vast array of um, traditional foods. And the chief, Peter, a really great man, he said, you know, quick wit, quicker dance feet when we got onto the fiddle dance. He was standing behind me, helping me load up my plate. I walked away from that table with five, at least five, different pieces of moose meat. <laughs> prepared in different ways. It was great. Um, walked up to my friend Darcy, who had just arrived from California, and I remember sitting down while all eyes, I could tell, were on us, though discreetly, and I whispered to her, I haven't had meat for eight years. <laughs> this could go very poorly. It could. But I wanted to make it here. I was really excited. I'm going to impress these people. So I tried. I tried to eat every bit of that meat. I didn't actually succeed, but I did try. There were a few pieces that may have made it into a napkin, hopefully discreetly, that I later fed to Natasha, my dog, and she was quite excited about it. Much better than my stomach, which by the time we made it back to the one-room cabin that I was sharing with Darcy, 
I had to rid myself completely, my body completely, of everything I had consumed that evening. I won't share with you the gory details, but I will tell you it was extremely uncomfortable. Um, my third week in Galena, I was tasked with giving this traditional dietary food survey. I was really excited. I was going to get to talk to elders, and um, I was going to be able to share with them and learn what they had eaten when they were kids, what their parents had eaten, and I was going to learn about Athabascan culture. So I was really, really excited. It's been 10 years. I remember one of those interviews. I'm sure I talked to other elders. I mean, it was my job, but I have no specific recollection. Um, I remember walking up to the front steps of the cabin of Sidney Huntington. He was 87 years old at that time. And I learned when I met, went to Galena that he was the man. This man was incredible. He was influential when it came to welfare, to fish and game issues, to whether there should be a road built from Fairbanks to Galena on suicide prevention. The elementary school is named after Sydney. Needless to say, I was scared. But I walked up to the front door and I, I knocked. And nothing, nothing, no sound, no movement, absolutely nothing. But something else I had learned was that Sydney is actually hard of hearing, so I knocked again and louder. Still nothing. So if I was being myself, I would have walked away, I would have come back another day, but I was really excited. This is my new job, it's my role, I'm the environmental program manager. I am going to get this interview. So I knocked again and louder. And there was a reaction. He actually, he came out and apparently he had been napping and so was not exactly happy that I had interrupted that nap. But I, I cruised on and I said, hi, my name's Carol. I'm really excited. I'm doing this traditional food survey and this is going to help our environmental and cultural planning in the future. <laughs> nothing. Absolutely nothing. And I said, well, you know, this is really going to help our future generations. And he stood there and he looked at me and he said quietly, tell Regine, that was my supervisor at the time, tell Regine if she has some questions for me, she can stop by later. And then he closed the door. And so I knew at that exact moment that faking it wasn't going to do me any good. So I spent the next two and a half years deciding that there's this good balance between being myself and actually fitting in and being a part of this community. So I learned to cut salmon to dry and half dry while the elders laughed when I squeaked as I cut into the fish. And I learned to eat meat without getting sick. Um, I cut caribou, I cut moose, I held a little protest outside the post office when the president invaded Iraq. I had my two dogs, they had little sandwich boards, I handed out full, uh, flyers. People said, hey Greenpeace, and then they, they asked me questions. But you know what, they were polite. They were never impolite, and it was because I was being myself and they knew it and they accepted it and I didn't have to fake anything. Well, in the last couple of months while I was in Galena, I had one last survey to do, and it was on contaminated uh, foods. And I walked up to Sydney Huntington's door one last time, and I knocked just once this time. 
And he answered the door, and I explained why I was there. And he said, which one of my grandchildren are you? <laughs> and now, mind you, the man has 20 children and countless other grandchildren, so I didn't expect him to actually, you know, be able to know who they all were. And I was sitting there, and I was thinking, I don't want to embarrass him, and I really need this survey. So I said, I'm Carol. <laughs> and we sat, and we had this great discussion, and it was great. <laughs> but now, you know, as a even a good Southern Baptist, let alone a recovering Southern Baptist, I still feel a, quite a bit of guilt. So I'm here with the idea that the truth will set me free. And I want to apologize to Sydney. Um, I'm not your granddaughter. I'm not from Alaska, let alone Galena. But um, I want to thank you for being kind and sharing your wisdom. <laughs>